following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Foul Podcast. Dan here, flying solo today. Josh Goldberg is on vacation in parts unknown. Kind of like Cactus Jack for all you old school WCW wrestling fans. Got a lot to get into today. Another nonsensical... I don't know what the hell's going on. I can't figure this shit out. NFL weekend. Um, Talk about week 10 a little bit. Got the the wrap-up to the baseball season. World Series is over. We'll talk about that a little bit. Some uh, interesting brewer moves here early in the offseason. Got college hoops starting tonight. Tuesday night, November 5th. And, uh, of course, we got a little bit of bucks to talk about. So this might be a little bit of an abbreviated show uh, since I am flying solo today. But um, we'll hit the regular stuff, and uh, hopefully uh, all things going well. Josh will be back with us next week, and uh, we'll kind of get back on this this horse that we've been riding here the first nine weeks of the NFL season. So, um. As usual, we'll st- we'll start around with the Packers and the Bears. Um, we'll get the garbage out of the way first. Uh, I did not get to see one snap of the Bear game. Um, Fox Forty Seven, in their infinite wisdom, decided to put the uh, Viking Chief game on over the Bears Eagles, which initially pissed me off because I wanted to watch that game. Um, but in hindsight, uh, it actually ended up being for the best. Um, that I didn't have to watch that garbage, and the Viking um, Chief game ended up being pretty good. So uh, I don't know what to really say about this Bears team that I haven't already said. It's um, it's ugly. There's no getting around it. It's ugly. Um, less than a hundred yards of total offense in the first half. I think they were. I think they had run like. 20 plays, had like 40 yards, something like that. Uh, that's an absolute joke. Um, you know, bottom line, from from what I've read about the game and, uh, you know, listening to some of the experts that are uh, plugged into the league, I mean, this is kind of this is kind of the end of the road here for, for Trubisky. Um, and by end of the road, I, I mean in terms of, no one, no one has any belief in him anymore. Um, you know, it's not. I, I don't think he's going to be benched. Um, I, I think at this point, you know, the Bears have got too much invested in the draft picks that they gave up to get him. I believe it was like a couple of fourths and a third, and um, you know, to move up from three to two to to draft Trubisky. Um, 
You know, he he has gotten he has built up a little equity in in the organization based on his performance last year. I mean, you know, you can say whatever you want, but the Bears won eleven games. They won the division. They should have won their playoff game. The guy made the Pro Bowl. He had one of the highest quarterback ratings in the league last year. Um, that's what kind of makes the fall off this year that much more perplexing. Um, you, maybe you expected a little bit of regression, but, I mean, he's basically regressed right back into high school. Um, so I don't I don't think you're going to see him get benched. I don't think that Nagy or, uh, or Ryan Pace, the general manager, are going to admit defeat on that uh, in the middle of a season that really at this point, if you look around the NFC in, in your own division, I'm not sure there's anything really left to salvage. Um, you know, Chase Daniel's not the answer. Um, the guy's a 10-year backup for a reason. He's not a Teddy Bridgewater type of guy who has been a starter elsewhere and due to circumstances finds himself as a backup. Chase Daniel's never been a starter anywhere. He's always been a backup. Um, you know, might you win another game or two this year? Maybe. Uh, but I think the Bears as an organization, they, they've put themselves in this position by, by not having another young quarterback in camp and on the roster to push Trubisky. Um, I think that's a mistake that they made that was overlooked by a lot of people when uh, it was coming time to evaluate this team in the preseason. You know, Chase Daniel is a safe guy to have as your number two um, in the case where Trubisky has to miss a game like he did earlier this year when he got knocked out in the first quarter of the Viking game. But I just think that, you know, the the lack of depth at the position on the roster in the organization, nobody really pushing Trubisky and putting any pressure on him internally, um, I think that's hurt this team. Um, I think that they're going to let this play out the rest of the year. Um, you know, you're going to have, then you will have two full years to evaluate Trubisky. You'll have all of last year, all of this year. That's going to be, uh, I think last year, I think he started 13 games, 12, 14 games this year. He's going to, you know, barring injury, he's going to get 16 under his belt. So you're going to have 30 games, um, in Matt Nagy's system to evaluate Trubisky and kind of decide where you go from here. Um, I I do expect them to keep him on the roster next year. Um, I, I don't, you know, barring something unforeseen, I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, but they, they got to go out and they got to get somebody to compete with him, whether that's a Teddy Bridgewater or, or, or a, a first, second, third round draft pick. Somebody somebody needs to come in and push Trubisky and and kind of, you know, see what, what he's made of. Um, I mean, guys have bad years. I, I get it. You know, I mean, we as Brewer fans, we just witnessed it. Travis Shaw had two excellent years as the third baseman, hit 30 homers two years in a row. This year he looked like he couldn't hit the ball off of a tee. So it happens. Um, you see it in golf. Sometimes a guy get the yips, he just he can't play golf. Um, I think you're seeing a little bit of that with Trubisky. The the obviously the confidence is gone. He's he looks like a quarterback who has no confidence. Um, I'm not sure the coaching staff, based on some of the plays that are calling, have any confidence in him. And the worst part is I'm not sure that his teammates have any confidence in him. And that, that kind of becomes the, the line that, that Nagy has to walk now where, 
you know, you don't want to bench Trubisky because I think if you bench him, I think you'd lose him. I think he's done. I think it could wreck whatever career he may have left in Chicago. But at the same time, if you keep trotting him out there and he keeps underperforming and they can't score and they keep losing tight games and low-scoring games, you know, the other 53 guys on the roster are going to start looking around going, what are we doing here? Like, we all see this ain't the guy. You know, our our careers are finite. We don't have forever to wait. Like, we, we've got a pretty high-level defense, um, regardless of what some of the stats say. I think I think the Bears' defense statistically has looked um, much poorer than it truly is. I think the fact that um, this defense is constantly playing from behind and, and on the field more than it's off the field has really hurt their production. You're just not seeing the turnovers. Um, you're not seeing uh, turning the turnovers into points. It's a much more conservative defense than than we saw under Vic Fangio, and you know that's 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 partly because Fangio leaves to go to Denver. You bring in Chuck Pagano; they're different styles of defense. But you know when you're constantly in, when you're constantly playing from behind, and you're in a situation where you know as a defense that you can't really take any risks because if you get burned, your offense can't dig you out of any kind of a hole. Um, I, I just I think you've seen that from the Bears on the defensive side of the ball this year, where they're just not really making any plays. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm I'm kind of talked out on the Trubisky Bears subject. Unfortunately, there's still uh, seven games left. <laughs> um, the season can't the season can't end soon enough for me. Uh, it's just kind of been a drag. So um, moving on to the Packer Charger game. Um, I did not see this coming at all. Packers got punched right in the mouth by a, a team that's known to be a pretty finesse team in the uh, in the Chargers over the years. Um, Packers were pushed around all day long, both sides of the ball. Um, not shocked that the Chargers were able to run the ball on the Packers effectively. Uh, was a little bit shocked only in the fact that the Chargers had been running the ball so ineffectively against everybody else. Now, part of the reason that things got better, they got their stud left tackle, Russell Okung, back um, a week or two ago. Obviously, that's going to help your pass protection and your run game immensely, and uh, it also neutralized some of the pressure that the Packers' defense was able to put on Phil Rivers. Um, But, you know, this was kind of the recipe that we've seen to beat Green Bay. Uh, Philadelphia did it. The Chargers did it. They lined up. They got multiple backs that can do stuff, and they basically said to the Packers, we don't think you can stop us from running the ball. And, um, you know, two good quarterbacks in Phil Rivers and Carson Wentz, all pro-level guys, um, you, you know, you combine that with a very, very effective running game, and it really makes that Packer defense look pretty average. Um, they started out hot with a lot of turnovers forced the last couple of games um, has not been the case. We're seeing, you know, and, and that happens. You get to this point of the year and, you know, everybody's got seven or eight games of tape on you. Everybody, you know, some teams are a little banged up. Maybe you're missing a key player on your defensive side. Um, so it's not, it's not too shocking that you have these kind of performances once in a while, but on the offensive side of the ball is what was the the most jarring um, that was 
probably the worst offensive performance we've seen from them this year, with maybe the exception of week one against Chicago. Um, but, I mean, they had less than 100 yards of total offense at the end of the third quarter. An Aaron Rodgers quarterback team. That's pretty shocking. Um, and should be a little bit concerning, especially considering you got your number one weapon back in Devontae Adams. You would have thought that um, your offense would kind of uh, become a little bit more dynamic with having that big weapon on the outside as, and it, as well as Aaron Jones had been playing out of the backfield. But Packers just really couldn't get anything going. Um, Bulaga and Bakhtiari just flat out got their asses kicked by Bosa and, and Melvin Ingram. Um, I mean, I think Rodgers was sacked two or three times, but, you know, those guys were constantly in his face, uh, making him uncomfortable. Um, just both sides of the ball, the Packers' lines were pushed around and, and frankly, kind of dominated. And if you've watched the Chargers at all um, this season, you know, last week against the Bears and a couple of weeks ago against the Lions, you know, you, that, that really wasn't the identity of this Charger team. They really made a point of, of uh, getting after Rodgers and making him uncomfortable, making him make plays and making some of these young receivers uh, have to make plays as well, and it just it didn't work well for Green Bay. Um, you, you know, it kind of brought up the question, you know, I had a couple people at work say to me on Monday, you know, did, you know, is this a soft Packer team? Do they have the toughness to to win some of these grinded out games? And you know, my my initial answer was, yeah, hell yeah, they're soft because I'm not a Packer fan, but you know, you step back and look at it, I'm not sure you can even really answer that question now at this point in the year. Um you know, this Packer team really hasn't faced much of adversity, so it's it's hard to gauge. Um, you know, weather hasn't become a factor yet. Injuries haven't been a big factor for them yet. So I'm not sure you could say they're soft. Um, I think if you asked Aaron Rodgers, he would tell you that they might be immature based on some of his comments um, yesterday and in the postgame where he was kind of not so subtly hinting that... Um, some of the guys might have done a little too much partying out in L.A. the, the night or two before the game. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur made the decision that they were going to fly out early uh, and, and spend two nights in L.A. as opposed to flying out on Saturday and spending one night. And, uh, you know, as Drew Olson, uh, one of the most listened to sports radio guys in Wisconsin, pointed out yesterday on the air, Weed's legal in California, and uh, the Packers got a lot of guys on their team that have been uh, pretty outspoken about their fondness for weed. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when when in Rome, uh, sometimes you do what the Romans do, and I'm sure that extra night out in L.A., um, some, some guys might have partook in some things. Um, you know, it's well documented that a guy like David Bakhtiari likes to toss back some brews. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's a little bit less about being soft and maybe a little more about some maturity. Um, you could tell yesterday that Rogers was not very happy with how, um, 
some of those guys reacted to the extra free time out in California. Um, they've got another game coming up in a couple weeks against the 49ers. It's going to be very, very interesting to see if those travel plans are adjusted by uh, Matt LaFleur. You know, um, does he give these guys another chance and go out a day early and kind of say, hey, look, you guys know what happened last time? Or does he take the bull by the horns and say, you know what? I, I don't trust you guys enough to give you this free time. We're going to go back to doing it the way McCarthy did it for years, and we're going to only go out the night before. So I don't know, man. Um, kind of interesting uh, dynamic going on with the Packers right now. Still sitting at the top of the division. Everybody in the NFC North lost this week. So uh, really no harm in the big picture um, other than, you know, kind of set themselves. Now Now you're two games back in the loss column of San Francisco for that number one seed, but I'm not sure the Packers were, were going to be in line for that anyway. So um, just to hop around the league a little bit, go through some of the scores uh, from uh, from this past week. Yeah, the Niners beat the Cardinals on Thursday night. Texans blow out Jacksonville 26-3 to in London. Uh, Bills over the Redskins 24-9. to um, a really good game, that Chief-Viking game. A, a, a typical Minnesota game, um, blowing it late, should have won the game. Some questionable coaching decisions. Uh, Kirk Cousins unable to come up with a big play late in the game. And the Chiefs uh, kick a field goal as the gun is fired to win 26-23. The Dolphins get off the schneid against the equally pitiful Jets. Um, I, I mean, the fact that they even put TV cameras in the stadium for that is is mind-boggling. Um, Eagles knock the Bears off 22-14. Bears get a couple late touchdowns to make that one seem close, but it was pretty much an ass-kicking from the get-go. Um, Steelers knock off the Colts. Uh, Jacoby Brissett knocked out early in that game for the Colts. Um, had a Brian Hoyer appearance. I didn't even know he was still in the league. Um, played halfway decent, kept the Colts in the game, but in the end, the Steelers were able to win. Uh, Panthers knocked off the Titans 30-20. to Raiders, uh, with a late score, get the win 31-24 over Detroit. Seahawks, with a frantic comeback, were down 21-7 early, end up winning that game 40-34. to Russell Wilson, five touchdowns, 380 yards passing. Um, I think you've got to put him and probably Lamar Jackson uh, at the top of any MVP list right now through Week 9. The Broncos... With a backup quarterback, knock off the big mouth, cocky Cleveland Browns, who, I mean, maybe the worst coached NFL team I've ever seen. It's just like I don't even know what the hell they're doing. You trade, you trade for Odell Beckham, you throw to him four times. I, I don't understand that. Uh, I talked about the Chargers knocking off Green Bay, twenty-six to eleven. The Ravens putting a hurting on New England. The Patriots finally actually had to play an NFL team, and it showed. Uh, 37-20 win for Baltimore. And last night's Monday night game was a Cowboy uh, blowout. Game was close for a little bit, but they pull away at the end and beat the Giants 37-18. So, looking at the playoff picture here through Week 9, uh, in the AFC, New England at 8-1, and one, got the Ravens 6-2, and two, Houston 6-3, and three, Kansas City 6-3. and three. Those are your four division leaders. Buffalo would be the top wild card at six and two. Indianapolis hanging on to the sixth spot at five and three, a half game behind the division leading Texans. 
And Pittsburgh and Oakland still kind of hanging around at four and four. Um, you know, not sure those two teams are going to have enough to overtake anybody. But if Jacoby Brissett is down for any length of time for the Colts, that could really put their playoff uh, hopes in jeopardy. NFC, 8-0 for the Niners, 7-1 for the Saints, who were on a bye this week. Packers come in at 7-2, and two, and the Cowboys 5-3. and three. Those are your four division leaders. Uh, Seahawks are the top wild card at 7-2. and two, And, you know, in probably what has turned out to be the best division in football this year, the NFC West, um, that Seahawks team is looking pretty, pretty dangerous and pretty frisky. I'm not sure anybody wants to see them um, in a divisional playoff game. Minnesota still holding on to the sixth spot at six and three, and uh, the Rams and Panthers both at five and three, and Philly five and four, one game behind or half game behind the Cowboys in the NFC East. So, coming up for Week 10, uh, Thursday night, we have the Chargers at Oakland. Um, kind of an interesting game. You know, the Chargers are, are I believe they're 3-5, and five, but with a win, they would be tied with the Raiders at 4-5. and five. And, you know, this is a team that started out real slow, but, I mean, kind of everything that could go wrong for them early did. You know, you had the Melvin Gordon holdout. Uh, they lose Derwin James, who's one of the best uh, defensive backs in football. Uh, sounds like they're going to be getting him back soon. You lose Russell Okung for the first six or seven games. Obviously, that's going to affect your your offense. Um, so they're they're getting these guys back. They're kind of rounding into form. That's a team that I thought at the beginning of the year was going to be pretty dangerous. They were a playoff team last year, and um, you know that's that's somebody to not sleep on. Um, Detroit at Chicago. I mean, neither one of these teams are very good. This is kind of the battle for the bottom of the NFC North. Neither one of them are going to make the playoffs. They both have lost games they should have won. Um, These two teams will play again in about two weeks on Thanksgiving, which, I mean, as much as I like my Bears being on Thanksgiving, I I just, I don't know. I, I want to be able to keep my turkey and my apple pie down. I don't want to puke it up watching that shit. Baltimore at Cincinnati, that should be a walkover win for the Ravens now that the uh, Bengals have made the decision to bench Andy Dalton. Um, They are going full tank mode. Uh, Buffalo at Cleveland, this is an interesting one. This is, uh, we've we've been saying it now for the last two or three weeks that that the Browns have been playing for their lives. I mean, at two and six, um, you know, you're you're really teetering on on the edge here. Probably are going to have to go seven and one to the rest of the way to even give themselves a chance to make the playoffs. And going up against a team in Buffalo that, while they do struggle to score, they've got a very, very good defense. So uh, we'll see how Baker and the boys respond. Uh, Kansas City at Tennessee sounds like Mahomes will be back for that one. Atlanta at New Orleans um, doesn't sound like you're going to see Matt Ryan in that one. That should be a walkover home win for the Saints. Giants at Jets, this is another one of those games. That, I mean, I don't even know why you're telling, televising it. Um, you know, I heard Bill Simmons say on his podcast, he gave a shout-out to Andrew Siciliano on the Red Zone Network and just said, you know, keep it off. Nobody nobody cares. Uh, nobody wants to see that. Um, Arizona at Tampa Bay, that's kind of another nothing game. Both of those teams are going to be hard-pressed to be able to make a run. Um, the newly non-winless Dolphins at the Colts, um, 
Again, kind of dependent on Jacoby Brissett, but uh, you got to like Indy in that game. Carolina at Green Bay. Uh, Panthers announced today Cam Newton has gone on IR. He is done for the year. So it's going to be Kyle Allen making the start for Carolina at Green Bay. Um, Rams at Pittsburgh. Eh, mildly entertaining, but doesn't get you too excited. Um, two best games of the weekend, in my opinion. Sunday night, Vikings at Cowboys. Um, really big game for both teams. Um, Minnesota trying to not lose two in a row, trying to kind of keep their hold on that sixth spot and keep within striking distance of the Packers in the NFC North. And Dallas, uh, you know, with that half-game lead over the Eagles, uh, Philly's starting to play a little bit better here lately. Um, you know, that's a that's a home game that the Cowboys would certainly like to win. And then Monday night, uh, we got Seattle at San Francisco. Um, you're, I think after that game, you're really going to get a pretty good idea of how good this Niners team is. Um, playing against the Seattle team that's playing well, um, with one of the with one of the best quarterbacks in football playing at an MVP level, that's going to be a big test for the Niners. So um, I'm I'm anxious to check those two games out, and then uh, Denver, New England, Philly, Washington, Jacksonville, and Houston are all on buys this week. So that takes us through the NFL, kind of a recap of Week Nine and a lead into Week Ten. Um. Don't have to recap too much about the MLB playoffs. The World Series is over. Um, shockingly, the Washington Nationals are your World Series champions, coming back from a 3-2 deficit to win games 6 and 7 on the road. I believe I heard this is the first time in major sports history in baseball, basketball, or hockey that in a seven-game series that no home team won a game. And that's just hard to even really wrap your head around. Um, you know, the Nats uh, got Verlander, or I'm sorry, the Astros have Verlander and Greinke going in six and seven. They don't win either game. Zach Greinke pitched his ass off in game seven, really deserved to win. Um, you know, Astros bullpen came in and they blew the game. Um, you got to give Washington credit, man. I mean, Every time they needed to come up with a hit, they did. Um, it was just kind of one of those magical runs that that it seems like we see more and more now in baseball as as we expand the playoff fields to the wild card to the second wild card. It kind of reminded me of, um, I think it was 2014, was the first year that the Royals. Um, with the group of Mustakis and, and Hosmer and Escobar and Kane and those guys. The first year they got into the playoffs, they were in that wild card game against Oakland, and Oakland should have won the game, had them beat, blew the game, and the Royals end up going to the World Series and, and they lose in a game seven. Um, kind of the similar thing that happened with the Nationals this year, Bruce had them beat. I mean, let's let's be honest here. You know, if Josh Hader comes in in the eighth inning and does his job and gets out of that, the Brewers walk into the ninth inning with a lead with the best closer in the National League on the bump, you like your chances. Um, obviously, it didn't turn out that way, but, I mean, you talk about razor-thin margin of error here. I mean, the Nationals were walking it. But uh, we're able to come up with, uh, with the clutch hits not only in that game but in the, in the next couple of series going forward. So um, congratulations to them. 
Um, it's always kind of fun when you see a a team like the Nationals who are, you know, they have one of the richest owners in sports, but Washington isn't necessarily looked at as a as a major market like a New York, Chicago, or L.A. And um, you know when you when you lose a, a superstar like they did last winter when Bryce Harper walked away from three hundred million dollars to go sign with the rival Phillies, it's always kind of cool to see the team that got left at the altar turn around and end up winning the title. Um, hasn't happened very often in sports. Um, but uh, pr- pretty cool to see this year. I really have no ill will with the Nationals other than the fact that they knocked the Brewers out, but, you know, hey, that that's that's just part of the game. So a um, couple of Brewer notes here as we head into the offseason. Uh, yesterday, Chase Anderson, um, the Brewers had to decide whether or not they were going to pick up an $8.5 million option on him. Um, they decided to do neither of those things, so they just traded him to the Blue Jays for a minor league first baseman. Um, Eric Thames was in the same position. Uh, I think he had a $7.5 million option that the Brewers declined to pick up, which was a little surprising to me considering um, not a lot of depth in the organization at first base. Um, and and Thames also had a pretty solid year. $7.5 million might be a little much for him. Um you know, David Stearns came out yesterday and, it, you know, made the comments that, you know, they would, they're would they open to bringing Thames back, um, but, you know, it's going to have to be at the right number for the Brewers. I'm thinking probably in that 3 to $5 million range. Um, and he also talked about that uh, there's a lot of guys out on the market this, this year that they could bring in to play first base. So, That'll be something to definitely keep an eye on. I, I, I would like to see Thames back, though. He seems like a really great guy in the clubhouse. Everybody seems to like him. Um, having that that left-handed power bat is is a nice thing to have. Um, not great in the field, kind of one-dimensional. You you know, <laughs> the times they threw him in the outfield, it was, I mean, you might as well turn the Benny Hill music on. It was kind of a circus out there. Um, but he was, a, he was an okay defensive first baseman, but... Um, you know, we'll see if they decide to move on there. They did decide to pick up the option on Manny Pena, which makes a lot of sense. Um, again, catcher is not a position of, of real depth in the organization. And uh, Pena, the last couple of years, has shown that um, while he's not a guy that's going to wow you at the plate, he's one of the best behind the dish at uh, at calling a game. So, um some uh, some guys the Brewers um, have have had to watch uh, enter free agency the last couple days. Uh, just run down the list here: uh, Mustakas and Grandal. Um, those guys both had some mutual options that were paid out here at the end of the year. Um, they've elected to enter free agency. By doing so, the Brewers are not eligible for any kind of compensation pick uh, because. Got, that can't happen for a player two years in a row, and Mustakas and Grandal both had those compensations attached to them last year. Um, Jordan Lyles, uh, Gio Gonzalez, Matt Albers, Jay Jackson, Drew Pomeranz uh, all have entered free agency off of the pitching staff. Um, Gio and Albers, I think you can for sure say goodbye. Uh, probably Jay Jackson as well. I think they'd really like to bring Lyles back. Um, and I... and you'd be crazy not to based on the way he pitched down the stretch. Uh, Pomeranz is a guy I think that they would like to bring back again at the, at the right number. He get, he just gives you so much versatility. Um, 
He started a lot, a lot of games in the majors, even though he struggled last year. He started a lot of games, and uh, he proved for the Brewers down the stretch that he can be a very, very valuable multi-inning guy out of the bullpen. Um, and then Corey Spangenberg and Tyler Austin um, were outrighted to AAA and decided to also declare for free agency as well. So that kind of wraps up uh, the 2019 baseball season. Um, you know, free agency stuff, you're going to start hearing some rumors and some murmuring uh, about some trades and some and some signings. Um, usually not a lot of stuff is going to happen until the winter meetings, which I believe is, I want to say, early December. Um, and then uh, early or mid-January will be Brewers on Deck, which is kind of the kickoff to the 2020 season. So um, we'll, we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on here through the winter, but I'm not expecting to hear much here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Badger football was off this weekend. Um, got the big game uh, at home against Iowa to kind of kick off the stretch run for Bucky. Um, not not too much to get into there. We will we will get back on the horse with uh, Paul Christ and the crew next week. Um, basketball season's here. The college basketball season officially gets underway tonight. A um, couple of marquee games on ESPN. You've got uh, number one Michigan State facing off against number two Kentucky. Number three Duke facing off against number four Kansas. But locally, we've also got the two big teams in the state starting their seasons tonight. Um, the Badgers open up against number 20 St. Mary's. That game is going to be played in South Dakota. And uh, the Marquette plays tonight at home against Loyola, Maryland. Um, a lot of questions for both teams. Um, two games this week for Bucky. Um, after tonight, they also play Friday night at home against Eastern Illinois. But obviously the big question with the Badgers is, uh, how do you replace Ethan Happ? 2,000-point um, score, one of the best players to ever play at Wisconsin collegiately. Um, kind of a do-everything guy for you. He was your fulcrum offensively that you ran everything through. He was the guy, he was your defensive anchor on the other end of the floor that was um, able to get out and, and adequately cover guys on the perimeter but also was a little bit of a deterrent at the rim, as well as a, a, a very good rebounder. So going to be interesting to see how they replace him. Um, for Badger fans that know, they've been fighting with the NCAA most of the summer into the fall here, trying to get Micah Potter, the transfer from Ohio State. He's a, a, a big man that would, uh, you know, basically slide into Hap's spot. Um but the uh, NCAA has not cleared him. There's some eligibility deals with the transfer. I'm not going to get into that because it's a complete mess and it makes no sense and there's no rhyme or reason to how the NCAA really decides this stuff. Uh, by everything I've heard and read, it sounds like the kid should be playing, but uh, he definitely will not play tonight. Sounds like he's going to be um, out the first 10 games unless they get some sort of appeal here in the next week or two. Um but this is, uh, you know, when you lose a guy like Hap that, you know, especially on the offensive end that, you know, he, he's, he's such a focus. You're, you're throwing the ball into him. He's, he's, the, he's the guy everybody's moving off of. He's your leading scorer. He's your leading rebounder. You know, how do you replace that? Um, well, it's going to be really incumbent on the Badger guards this year that are going to have to step up. Um, you know, that offense with Hap, 
tended to get a little stagnant, you know, when they would throw the ball inside to him and and watch him try to dribble six times, dribble bump a guy down to the block and then try to shoot a half hook. Um, This team is going to be much more perimeter-oriented. Kobe King, Brad Davidson, Trice, Nate Reavers, um, you know, those guys are going to have to step up now. This is their team. Um, They're going to have to knock down perimeter shots. This was a very, very, very streaky shooting team last year, very hot and cold. Um, But the guy at the end of the day that really has to take the step for the Badgers to be a very good team is going to be Kobe King. Um, Redshirt sophomore, um, missed most of his freshman year with a knee injury. Last year, um, even he said he wasn't really comfortable uh, with with where his knee was at. So um, you got to look for big things from him. This year, um, highly recruited kid coming uh, from lacrosse. And, um, you know, he's definitely their best athlete. And when you're going up against, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Marquette, um, some of these teams that you play in the non-conference that have athletes out on the perimeter, um, you really need Kobe King to step up. Um, On the other side, Marquette. They got to figure out how they're going to replace the Hauser brothers. Um, Joey Hauser transferred to Michigan State. Um, Sam transferred to Virginia. Joey Hauser transferring to Michigan State is actually really funny to me. Um, his nickname around the Marquette fan base was the Turnstile because the guy literally couldn't guard anybody. He just, you know, he just run out there and people would run by him like they were passing through a Turnstile. So playing for Tom Izzo, I'm not sure how that's going to work for him. But uh, he'll have a, a year, um, him and his, him and Sam both will have a year to sit out this season and we'll be back next year. But, you know, same thing with, the, with Marquette. How do you replace those guys? Uh, well, they're definitely going to miss the three-point shooting that both of those guys, especially Sam, brought to the table. Um, elite, elite level three-point shooting from Sam Hauser, one of the best in the nation. So... Really not going to be able to replace that with one guy. They're going to have to try to do it by committee. Um, Marquette's got a kid, Colby McEwen, um, who is a guard that transferred in from Utah State, sat out last year. Um, They're very, very high on this this guy um, as a a point guard and a penetrator, a guy that can get into the paint. He's got some size. I think he's about 6'4", so he's a big guard playing next to Marcus Howard, who's a small guy who wants to stay on the perimeter. So um, be interesting to see how those two work together. Um, you got Greg Elliott coming back uh, off of a redshirt year last year, who will be a redshirt sophomore. Uh, played quite a bit as a freshman as a uh, backup guard. Really athletic kid. Um, very good defensive player. Um, they got another transfer, seven-footer named Jace Johnson, who came in as a grad transfer from Utah. Um, he's had some knee problems. He's not playing tonight in the opener. They, they're saying he's week to week, whatever the hell that means. Uh, but he gives them some depth on the front line. But the guy that really is going to have to step up is Brendan Bailey, um, son of Thurl Bailey, who played in the NBA for uh, the Utah Jazz for many, many years in the 90s. Um, Bailey missed two years ago, was on a Mormon mission. Last year was his freshman year. I think he's like 20, so he's a little old for his class, but really came on at the end of last year, and uh, him along with Marcus uh, Howard have, have been the two leading scorers for them in some of these um, 
these scrimmages and exhibition games. So I think it's going to be a good year for both of these teams. Um, I don't think either of them are going to be contenders to win their leagues. I look for both Badgers and Marquette to be in that 20 to 24 win range. Um, definitely should be NCAA tournament teams. Um, top three or four maybe in the conference. Maybe the Badgers are a little bit farther down. It kind of depends on the strength of the Big Ten this year. Um, but, you know, I expect both these teams to be very competitive and fun to watch. And uh, usually they always play each other. This year I believe the game is at the Kohl Center. Usually it's like the eighth or ninth game of the season. This year already it's going to be the third game. So uh, coming quick. Um, season gets going fast, so uh, be ready to be on the lookout for those games. Um, last thing we're going to hit, a little Bucks talk. Um, I'm not going to get too into that. Um, I, I got some feedback from some listeners that um, enjoyed my NBA podcast last week. Um, we're, we're demanding more, which is great. I love it. Um, I'm happy to oblige. Not sure how I'm going to do it. Not sure if it's going to be something I'm going to do every week, maybe every other week. We'll see how it goes. Um, but so far, the Bucks are 5-2. and two. Been an interesting start to the season. It's hard to believe, 5-2. and two. I mean, they, they play tomorrow night. After tomorrow night's game, they're already 10% done with the regular season, which is just crazy. But 5-2, um, and two, um, wins in the last week over the Cavs. The Magic, the Raptors, and the T-Wolves, who they beat last night. Um, they got a, their uh, Wolves were the first game on a four-game Western team road trip. They are in L.A. versus the Clippers tomorrow night. Uh, I believe that game is on ESPN. Friday night at Utah and Sunday afternoon at Oklahoma City. Um, unfortunately, in the midst of those four wins the last week, they had an awful loss at Boston. Um both of the Bucks' two losses this year, they've blown 20-point leads. Um, so this team could very, very easily be 7-0. and um, You know, it's a little bit of a function of how they play with the amount of three-pointers that they shoot. Uh, it, it allows these teams to hang around in a game. You know, if the Bucks come down three or four possessions in a row and don't make a shot, and the other team is conversely coming down and makes two threes and two twos, that's a quick 10-0 run in four possessions. Um, it's one of the things people say, how do, how do these NBA teams, how do they blow these leads? Well, with a 24-second shot clock and the way these guys can shoot, 10 points, you can turn that around in a matter of a minute and a half. So um, the Bucks have been bitten in the ass a couple times um, in the home opener against Miami and last Wednesday against Boston. Um Something happened at the end of the Boston game that caught my eye. There was a a play in the fourth quarter. Bucks were down six or eight. Shot clock was running down. Giannis had the ball at the top of the key, kind of between the free throw line and the three-point line. And he really looked like he didn't want the ball. He was very unsure of himself. Passed up an open jumper um, to kick it out to, I believe it was like George Hill on the wing for a contested three. And as they're walking to the bench for a timeout, Budenholzer really got on him. Um, you could kind of—I'm not a great lip reader, but you know, I could kind of tell Budenholzer was saying to him, "What are you doing? Shoot the ball!" 
You know, and that's one of those things where, where with Giannis, it's like, you know, you you love Giannis because he's not greedy. He's not one of these guys. He's not Kobe. He's not James Harden where he's going to go out and shoot the ball 25, 30 times. But you're the MVP, man. You got to act like it sometimes and, and impose your will on these games, especially when your team is reeling like they were against the Celtics last week. And uh, I just, I liked to see Budenholzer kind of get on Giannis, and I really liked Giannis's reaction to getting yelled at. Um, you know, he didn't go back necessarily at his coach. He took it. Um, it looked like he uh, understood what, what Budenholzer was telling him. Um, and ever since then, uh, the last three games, he's kind of been on a tear. Um, you know, the Friday night, they were on the road at Orlando, and, and something kind of clicked for the team. Um, they got down early, like 20-7. to 7. I think Orlando came out and hit like their first five or six shots. Budenholzer took, took a timeout, and after that, the Bucks just really laid it on them and um, ended up blowing Orlando out pretty handily. Um, Saturday night was the big one, the rematch against the defending champion Raptors. Even though Kawhi Leonard's not there, that is still a very good team. That is going to be a team that nobody is going to want to see in a second-round matchup in the Eastern Conference playoffs. That I can guarantee. Um, another game, the Bucks were up big, up 20, 25 points. Um, Toronto was able to get it down into single digits, but this time the Bucks were able to fight them off. Um, and then last night against Minnesota, who the Bucks were fortunate, they, they caught Minnesota during the Carl Anthony Towns suspension for the fight that he got in last week with Joel Embiid. Um, the Wolves were able to hang around for about two, two and a half quarters, but the Bucks eventually blew that one open, winning it by 25 points. So, um, you know, early in the year, Giannis wasn't playing great, I didn't think. I thought his stats were pretty good, but he was really, really fighting his shot. Um, you saw there was some some airballed free throws, some airballed three-pointers. I mean, he's too good of a player to be shooting airballs. Um so something was kind of going on there with him. It just, you know, it was it looked like a golfer trying to figure out his swing. Um, that's kind of what I was seeing with with Giannis with his shot. His mechanics were a little wonky. There was some hesitation there, but he seems to have righted the ship. Um, knocked down a couple threes last night. Knocked one down against Orlando. Knocked a couple against Toronto. Free throws are looking to get a. They're getting a little bit better. Um, so that's that's definitely a good sign, you know. And and with Giannis, um, you know, him and Middleton and Lopez, like those guys, really had very very busy summers. Um, Lopez and Middleton competing in the World Cup with the Team USA, and and Giannis, um, you know, I, I saw in an interview he did on on Bucks dot com with Jim Paschke, he talked about it a little bit. You know, he had um, his normal workouts that he wants to do. And he had things like he had to go to the NBA award show where he got the MVP. Then he had he, he had the ESPYs that he had to go to. He went over to Greece and and did some things over there. He released his signature shoe for the first time. He had to go to China. He was traveling. He basically traveled the world in in a summer while he was trying to work on his game and having the shortest offseason that he'd ever had because he had never played this deep into the playoffs before. Um so it's going to be interesting to see how the Bucks and Budenholzer 
kind of um, try to keep the minutes down. You know, I'm not a big proponent of the the resting guys, sitting guys out for games. I think that as a coach, that's something that you can do during the game. Uh, you know, when, when you're up 25 in the fourth quarter and there's nine minutes to go, get your guy out. Get Giannis out of the game. You can always put him back in, you know, but you don't maybe need to play him down to the three-minute mark of the game. Um, Giannis is only averaging about 32 minutes a game right now. Middleton's at 30. Lopez is at 28. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, I think last year Giannis and Middleton were right around that 32, 33-minute mark. So pretty consistent there. But um, you just, you just, I'm not so much worried about injury as I am worried about these guys getting a little bit fatigued. So we'll have to keep an eye on on that going forward. Um, you know, the rest of this. Um, the rest of the stuff I think I'm going to kind of leave for the for the NBA pod. Um, I get a little bit more in-depth, talk about some of the things that um, the Bucks have done so far with their bench, getting Dante DiVincenzo and Sterling Brown into these games, uh, which has been very big for them. Um, but at the end of the day for the Bucks, nothing's going to be easy this year for them. Every night they are looked at as the favorite. They are now the hunted. They are no longer the hunter. And uh, it's a it's a position that none of these guys, with the exception of, you know, maybe George Hill, the year he played with LeBron in Cleveland, has ever felt before. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Um, I think it's going to be a really really fun season again for for Bucks fans. I'm looking for big things, and uh, and hopefully I'm I'm correct in my assumption because. Um, when I go to Vegas in March for the NCAA tournament, I will be putting money on the Bucks. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully that thing does better than my my Bears Super Bowl bet, which I might as well just stick in my shredder right now. So that's pretty much all we've got this week. Um, hopefully, I entertained you in my fifty minute solo operation here. Um, as I said, Mr. Goldberg on vacation at Parts Unknown. He will be back Monday to uh, to join me in doing this pod again. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, you know keep us posted on some things that you want to hear. You can find us on Twitter. He's at Josh Goldberg. I'm at Dan Saunders 104. You can always find us on Facebook as well. Download us on iTunes or anywhere you can get your podcasts. We love hearing your feedback. I got some great feedback from some people about the NBA podcast. Um, I got some. We got some feedback from some people when we brought up the possibility of talking about some high school sports as well. So all those things are going to be uh, in the hopper coming forward. Um, really hope everybody sticks with us through this. Um, I know we may not be necessarily the most professional uh, at times, we're we're doing our best with what we're working with. We're just trying to uh, get something out for for our friends and family that that care enough to listen to our opinions. So appreciate you sticking with us. We will talk to you next week. Go Bucks.